This is the Nourishing Nutrition Podcast, and my name is Eleanor Dooley. I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and advocate for your best self. I combine current nutritional research with the practicalities of living your life, giving you real nutrition talk in bite-sized pieces. Please remember that I am a licensed dietitian nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. I am not a medical doctor, and by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you might be having. Hi, everybody. It's Eleanor Dooley. And today we're talking about carbohydrates. I get this question so often in my practice about low carb, high carb. Do we love them? Do we hate them? What's the current research? What are we doing? And I decided to dedicate this whole episode to figuring out what's the deal with low carb. Where did it come from? Are we still doing it? Is it good for me? carbohydrates. Many people love them. Many people hate them. And many people hate to love them. Are you one of them? Which is it? Today, we're going to dive into the history of low fat and low carb diets. And I'm going to explain what the real deal is about how we view carbs in our daily diet and why it's important. Many people are confused about carbohydrates, and for good reason. We've been told for years by the media that the low-carb lifestyle is healthier, and it will help us achieve the media's ultimate display of health, a skinny body. But is the low-carb lifestyle really the healthiest way to live? The answer is... It depends. (laughs) Like everything you do with your body, you are so unique. So the answers may vary slightly for each person. But one thing that is consistent for every person is that it's more important to eat carbohydrates from healthy, nourishing foods than to follow a strict diet limiting or counting the number of grams of carbohydrates consumed. There's many biological reasons for this, which we're going to get into, but before we do, one of the most harmful and insidious problems with pushing a low-carb agenda, hell-bent on restriction dieting, is the mental anguish and psychological toll. And just to refresh your memory about my feelings on diet culture, you can check out episode three of the Nourishing Nutrition podcast. But just to refresh your memory, here are a few of the reasons that diet culture and restrictive dieting cause significant bodily harm. Number one, yo-yo dieting, the gaining and losing of weight can lead to lifelong weight cycling. Okay. This means your weight goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. This is terrible for our biological systems, yanking our bodies around from feast to famine, from ups to downs. It makes our body think that we are in a critical health situation. It essentially tricks our brain into thinking that there's a threat to our survival. And when this happens, our hormones can go awry Our bodies crave homeostasis, and it will keep asking for it no matter how much willpower you're able to pull from. Number two, food restriction. 
often results in our bodies going into starvation or famine mode. And this shuts off necessary systems and functions to our health. This is not desirable for muscle development, fat burning, healthy hormones, and proper development over your body's life cycle. So if you were transitioning from a menstruating to a menopausal woman, this food restriction can have severe consequences on that transition. And similarly, for any other transitions in life, whether you're healing from an injury, a long-term virus, anything that can take a lot of stores in your body, food restriction really only makes this worse. Number three, compulsive dependency on over-exercising. This is a huge topic and we're going to cover it in another podcast, but I did want to mention that respecting your body with the appropriate amount of exercise is crucial to developing a healthy mental and physical lifestyle. Number four, Putting too much faith in inaccurate means of measurements. Have you been told what your BMI is, your body mass index? This is a number that was created by a mathematician, not a health professional. And this is the number that most apps use to recommend caloric intake. I know there's some dietitian programs that are based on the BMI. The problem with it is that. It is used to measure body fat for means to assist the government in allocating resources. Okay. The BMI is highly abused today and it does not take into account muscle mass or daily activity. Additionally, we're conditioned to strive for a normal or underweight BMI, despite the plethora of evidence stating that individuals categorized as quote overweight by the BMI measurement live longer, healthier, and more balanced lives. The fifth reason why diet culture really takes a toll on our mental and physical health to me is the most important one, low self-worth and poor body image. Anti-diet culture asks, how can we make people healthier no matter what size they are? Anti-diet culture does not equate to anti-health. In fact, pursuing overall health and wellness is the very reason why we must stop supporting the diet culture industry. Okay. So to wrap this little piece up about the damaging effects of diet culture, it has shaped the way that we view our bodies and the way that we think our bodies work. And I'm here to tell you the truth and to unravel some of these self-fulfilling marketing that gets you to believe there's something wrong with you. Low-carb dieting is wrapped up in this, there is a billion-dollar industry in low-carb foods, diets, cookbooks, etc. So low-carb dieting has successfully browbeaten us as a culture into thinking that we're not good enough. Once again, diet culture pulls through with its hold on our psyche. But let's take it back a few decades and dive into the origin of restriction to see if there's any merit to these lifestyles. 
or these diets. An article published in the Oxford Academic explores the timeline of restriction dieting. Scientific studies dating back to the 1940s showed a correlation between high-fat diets and high cholesterol levels, suggesting that low-fat diet might prevent heart disease in high-risk patients. By the 1960s, the low-fat diet began to be touted not just for high-risk heart patients, but good for the nation as a whole. In the 1980s, the low-fat approach became an overarching ideology. It was promoted by doctors, physicians, the federal government, the food industry, and also the popular health media. Many Americans subscribe to this ideology of low fat. We all bought into it, even though there was no clear evidence that it prevented heart disease or promoted weight loss. Ironically, in the same decade that the low fat approach assumed this ideological status, the average Americans were getting fatter, leading to what many called the obesity epidemic. Back then, it seemed doctors and researchers were focused on the simple fact that fats contained more calories than carbohydrates or protein, as well as some evidence suggesting that they might be linked to heart disease and other problems. This is the origin, origin of typical, quote, diet plans, like a points-based calorie counting system and other diet fads. But over time, fat has had an image change. For starters, it turned out that those studies linking fat with heart disease were unfounded. Here are the actual facts about fats. Fat is better for keeping us full or satiated for a lot longer. So if we eat fats in combination with carbohydrates and proteins, it takes a lot longer for our body to completely break down the fat and absorb it keeping us satiated longer. Without healthy fats in your diet, your body cannot absorb fat-soluble vitamins. These are super important. Vitamins A, D, E. This means that if you have a deficiency, like a vitamin D deficiency, many of my clients come to me saying they're taking higher and higher doses of vitamin D because their levels aren't increasing. What can actually be the problem is the absorption of the fat in the vitamin D. This is why some people tell me they have low levels, but taking more hasn't helped. So their body has a hard time absorbing it because there's not enough healthy fats in their diet. Fats are used by the body to produce the outer cell membranes, hormones, and other essential chemicals in the body. Omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are essential for hormone production. If there is not enough raw materials, aka healthy fats in the diet, the body can't make the amount of hormones that it wants at the time that it wants. Also, hormones are chemical messengers that regulate physiological activities in the body. This drives growth, development, and recovery for overall health. A lack of fat in your diet can lead to hormonal imbalances. So fat in the diet is not only recommended, it's crucial for healthy hormones, reduced inflammation, and feeling your best. After some time, this idea of adding in more healthy fats caught on, but then suddenly everybody started to vilify the carbohydrate. If we can't get fats out of our diet, 
maybe if we just cut carbohydrates, we'll be able to get that media skinny body that we're all hoping to get, right? Getting back to cutting calories theory for weight loss, cutting back on empty calories seems like a really great place to start. And as a functional nutritionist, I would agree with this because simple carbohydrates spike blood sugar and over time, elevated blood sugar leads to complications throughout the body, like kidney failure, neuropathy, and even blindness. Elevated blood sugar becomes a big problem when blood sugar spikes are repeated many times a day, every day, over and over, leading to problems with regulation from the insulin provided from your pancreas. This leads to many systemic problems throughout your body. If your blood has too much sugar in it. Think of all the places that blood goes in your body, right? Everywhere. Chronic blood sugar dysregulation leads to diabetes. This makes it difficult to lose weight, difficult to control cravings, and it stunts your productivity, creativity, and motivation. Another reason why carbs were the next macronutrient victim to the calorie-cutting epidemic is that high carb, low nutrient, sugary foods also cause inflammation, which I also agree with. Inflammation messes up the digestion process, gut health, and virtually all body systems. So this reasoning is spot on. So when we're talking about carbohydrates, just to recap, it is absolutely true that high carbohydrate, high sugar, low nutrient foods raise blood glucose or blood sugar and cause inflammation. So we do want to cut these out of our diet, not only for weight management, but for our overall health. So what's the issue with carbs? If that's the deal, then let's cut them out. The issue I have with low carb diets is it's a mislabeling. Okay. Cutting simple carbs from our diet or going on a low, simple carb diet is a great idea. The problem is the word carbohydrate encompasses foods that are simple and foods that are complex. And if we were to drop the simple carbohydrates, we would still be in very good shape for living a healthy, well-balanced lifestyle. We cannot vilify the entire macronutrient word carbohydrates. If we're talking about simple carbs, the ones that are deep fried, rolled in sugar, white bread that says fresh and can sit on the grocery store shelf for weeks and weeks. Yes, we want to cut out chemicals and other toxins present in simple carbohydrates because they cause inflammation and cravings and throw off our hormones. If we're talking about complex carbohydrates, if we're talking about complex carbohydrates that provide the need for glucose in our cells and brain, we cannot cut these out of our daily intake. Fruits and vegetables are carbohydrates, people. Completely avoiding carbohydrates is virtually impossible. Avoiding all fruits and vegetables will certainly lead to nutrient deficiencies as well as a very low fiber intake. And for anybody that's been constipated or suffers with chronic constipation, you know that a low fiber intake is very painful. Carbohydrates are your body's main source of energy. It fuels your brain, your kidneys, your heart muscles, and your central nervous system. For instance, fiber is a carbohydrate that aids in digestion. 
it helps keep you full, and it keeps your blood cholesterol levels in check. Your body can store extra carbohydrates in your muscles and liver for use when you're not getting enough carbohydrates in your diet. So if you force yourself to not eat these nutritious carbohydrates, you may experience headaches, fatigue, weakness, difficulty concentrating, nausea, constipation, bad breath, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. We don't want that. According to a Harvard School of Public Health study, the healthiest sources of carbohydrates are unprocessed or minimally processed whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and beans. These promote good health by delivering vitamins, minerals, fiber, and many, many important phytonutrients to help us with immunities and hormone balance. Unhealthier sources of carbohydrates include white bread, pastries, sodas, highly processed or refined foods. These items contain easily digested carbohydrates that contribute to weight gain and interfere with weight loss. It promotes diabetes and also heart disease. So as you can see, there are two types of carbohydrates. And even with watching your simple carb intake, the real important takeaway here is that it is paramount to make sure you are getting enough nutritional calories. Not only is avoiding carbs altogether a little soul crushing and really difficult, it's also a surefire way to end up with low energy. So are carbs good? or bad? Well, that depends on which ones you're talking about and also depends on the situation. If you can reduce the number of chips you have with your next meal, then great. But don't feel guilty about having some potatoes or whole grain bread. As so often is the case, the reality is a lot more complex than pointing to one food group or one diet that doesn't address the whole body. Our bodies change. Research gets better. We understand more about our growing bodies. So as long as we're open to learning more, we will adapt and thrive with every passing day. I recommend you focus your efforts on eating a healthy and balanced diet and just apply a little bit of common sense. To hear more about me, my practice, and my programs, you can follow me on Instagram at Nourishing Nutrition LLC. You can join my Facebook group, Happy Hormones and Tamed Inflammation, or visit my website at nourishingnutrition.net. Check out my free resources by subscribing to my newsletter and following this podcast. See you next week for a brand new episode.